very grateful for having this tiny park in front of my apartment building. It's called Mount Prospect. It's my secret park. Um, it's part of Prospect Park, um, but it's divided by, I don't know, what is that, Flatbush? So um, my studio is pretty small. Um, so being able to step out there and have that park and also Prospect Park near and just be able to walk on Eastern Parkway has been really great. Hey everybody, it's Janessa and that was my friend Crystalie Zappa's response to our listener question, what part of your living space are you most grateful for during this time of isolation? And if you don't remember us asking that question, that is understandable because it's been a few weeks since we recorded an episode and a lot has happened in that time to say the least. Um, And we felt it was appropriate to take a little break to listen and learn and to make space for, frankly, more important conversations. Uh, But we are back with a new episode featuring my friend Crystalie, who you just heard from. Um, Since the murder of George Floyd, Crystalie has taken an active role in New York City's Black Lives Matter demonstrations, and her experience has been really eye-opening. So, um... Welcome back to The Furlough, and I hope you enjoy this episode. It's funny because I remember when you first put out um, the request for people to answer the question, and I was super grumpy because I was I was like, I don't have anything nice to share. I've been hidden in my apartment for months. <laughs> like, um, I wasn't too positive about coming up with a, a good answer about like what is something in my apartment that I appreciate. Um, and at that point I was even like, I remember thinking like I was looking for other options where to live and everything. Cause I think still then we were like, wow, this, like everything's going to be shut down forever. Since then, like I've been outside a lot, um, at protests, it feels completely different now, even though there's still the concern for COVID and all that. Um, my life has completely changed because I, I took an active role in attending protests. So tell tell us about the first demonstration that you attended. So I remember sitting out in the park with some friends, which is right near me, and someone saying, do you want to go to the protest? And me thinking something like, well, I've been to protests before, and these things happen now and then, and like protests in general, not just Black Lives Matter, and, and feeling that hopeless feeling of like, well, did protests really accomplish anything? Because they, 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 they seem to be like very momentary or like just they happen and then not much comes of it. Um, so I, that night I was like, oh, I'm just going to sit this one out and see what happens. And the next day, oh no, I, I think I just like, I ran on an errand and then I, I ran into a protest. And I, I'm getting the timeline wrong because I think it was Thursday and then Friday. And then I was uh, coming home from, I can't remember what, but I saw a small group of protesters coming down from Prospect Park. And it just, I don't know, it just moved me a lot to see a group of people um, screaming, I can't breathe. Turns out that our friend Ryan was also, he was the person we were sitting with kind of having this discussion about protests in general. And then the next day he was in that protest and I didn't even know that he had like been picked up from the park by the protest and joined them. He was like just sitting there having like a little picnic to himself. And then he, someone yelled like something to like, why are you having a picnic when we need to be doing something about this? It, it, it moved him too and he decided to join so they went like past me and then the next day 
um, we spoke with Ryan and we decided to start attending and, and to keep going. So the first one I went to was at Grand Army and it was kind of a standoff between protesters and NYPD. And it was basically just, there are pictures of this. There's a policeman in, in a whole line with the police cars behind them, not really defending anything because they're like the streets behind them. And then the protesters are on the other side and the protesters are like yelling at them. Not not too organized, just like you could tell there was tension, but not a lot was happening. Um, Ryan came over and he said, let's just go to Barclays Center because it seems like that that group's, I don't know, like he he, he heard of like that group being a little bigger and that they were going to join that group. So we rode down, got to Barclays Center. And that was the first one I attended where um, we actually marched. So, well, mm-hmm. we were on bikes, but we, we joined them and started walking with them. When you were talking about the, the police and sort of this standoff that was happening did something happen before that to escalate things yeah nothing had happened there um i think it was just that at that point um the the protests were just popping up everywhere so i think people just organized at grand army and i think police were just like kind of like sent in there full riot gear like they were all wearing the helmet and had their batons out and i remember coming back from barclays after all that stopping by just to see if something was still happening there. And there were still some people and some people were kind of like talking to the police officers. And I went up to one, the ones that wear the white shirts who seemed to be like more in charge. And I said, look, this is, I know the situation is very tense and like you're, you guys are doing your job, but is there any way you guys can like take off the helmets and put down your batons if there is no violence? It seems very like confrontational for you to, to be standing there with that. And he, then he gave me an explanation that he couldn't give that order and that that was their uniform. Because it mm-hmm. just looks so intimidating, both there and at Barclays, to, to just be protesting with a ton of cops dressed in riot gear. And nothing, was, nothing violent was happening. When you asked him that, did, he, did you feel like he was in any way empathetic to what you were saying? No, he was annoyed. He was like, why are you asking? Like, at first, he, he, yeah. he, he, he was like, kind of annoyed by me. And then he understood that I was trying to like, just actually talk to him and have a conversation um, and he, and I said, look, I, I, I admire that after everything that everybody's yelling directly into your faces, you're not responding because it must be hard just to stand there. But I also think that it looks very intimidating. And as a show of like, I don't know, like a show of, I don't know if I use the word compassion or a show of, can, we don't need you to be dressed like this. And yeah. he said, no, we just can't. He, he, he didn't, he didn't um, acknowledge it in like with empathy. He just said that they did that because there had been looting and the they that's what they had to wear did you see anything that was in any way criminal or nefarious no no i have not seen anything on the protester side (laughs) illegal the the first nights were pretty tense um it was like protesters would chant and the police would stand right in front of them and it felt confrontational but there wasn't like nothing could come of that because we were like at barclay center so it was just like people were just like letting out feelings. It felt like the closest mm-hmm. thing that I experienced was someone one of those first nights. The whole group like moved towards the target in, near Barclays Center, and when we saw that, we just kind of held back and and thought, well, let's just watch from afar, see what's going to happen. Specifically because it was Target, right? Um, yeah, the symbolism of Minnesota, and then. Um, I, we, nothing happened. And then they just went down the street. Um, police were starting to walk towards the target too. And then I saw on Instagram, the same people I had been seeing at the protest 
defend like defending the target like the protesters mm-hmm. were like some people were starting to get rowdy and then protesters like no no we're not doing this we're not doing this just resolved itself and then they just continued down into like fort green area talk about your incident <laughs> <laughs> so the second night of the curfew that's when i started being more aware of safety safety stuff and we went out with a group of but at this point there was five of us two on bikes and and three walking and that night we went down again barclays downtown brooklyn area and then there was a barricade of police on the manhattan bridge so they didn't want us to take the bridge anymore um i don't know why like we weren't at the front we weren't with the organizers so i don't know why they didn't take the brooklyn bridge but what they did is that they went around the police, went up to this grassy area, and we jumped over a small barrier to get into the into the bridge. So mm. what I understood was that they they like there weren't any cars coming our way. So I I mean now that I think back, the bridge was already probably like starting to be closed by the police on the other side, or else there would have been traffic. Um, mm-hmm. So we crossed the bridge, and I'm I'm pushing my bike along because I'm walking with people. Um, and then we get to the other end of the bridge. So we're close to, so there's, there's another stand of police on the side of the Manhattan bridge and, and me and, and me and our group like facing them and they weren't letting us into Manhattan. So at that point, two women decided to go home and I, I decided to stay with Ryan who has a bike and then another woman, our, one of our friends. After a while, it, it looks like we're not going to get through. It was already a little past curfew. So we're like, okay, we should go home and, and call it a day and, and, come back next time right um mm-hmm. my I got a flat on my bike so we tried to go through ask the police if we could go down to the pedestrian area and they started telling people that we just had to go back through the car lanes and that mm-hmm. we'd, we'd just be fine just come where you go from where you came some people were jumping off the car lane side to the pedestrian side and the friend that was with me decided that she she thought it was too too tall to jump and like to bring down the bike with us someone we bumped into one person who said be careful on that side they're police so try to go on the side of where you'll find grass and get off on get off over there um as we approached the police they were like maybe like a hundred meters from us but we were getting close and then we we decided to go over the small barricade to the grass again and one man had joined us he was a black man that had seen us on walking towards it towards that same direction and he said can I walk with you um they're police there and then we said yes of course just like walk and walk behind me and and we'll just all walk together and for obvious reasons we were afraid for him like I was Mm. concerned about his safety more than mine so I told my my friend that was walking with me as we got closer to the police can you start recording because we need to have this on video in case anything happens and my mind was still like well we have a black man with us we better just watch it right um, and then I pull up my bike to put it over like this little barrier there is. And then like six or eight police like kind of like charge at us um, and start saying, put your hands behind your back, put your hands behind your back. And at first I'm, I'm, I'm like in shock and I'm like, nope, <laughs> like, what's this for? And then that's when they like they captured us and, and took my bike, put, put our hands behind our backs and zip tied us with these like very thick zip ties. And that was because you had walk like walked over a barricade no or was it because so, you were... we don't know what was we didn't know at that point or or I guess like I think we still don't know what their reason for detaining us was 
And that that's kind of the big thing about all this is that when I asked, why are you, why are you, what is this for? They said, they wouldn't say anything. They're just like, you're coming with us. And I said, okay, what is this for? And then kind of like, I was being a little confrontational and kind of like, okay, great work guys. Like you're really doing your job here. And while they were like grabbing my hands behind my back and like zip tying me, like the, the cop that was with me was using a bit of force that was very unnecessary. Like he was taller than me. He was larger than me, but he kept like pulling hard. And I kept telling him mm-hmm. like, you're, this is too hard. You're, you need to loosen those um, zip ties because they're getting too tight. And he kept doing that move where like when your hands behind your back and if you raise the person's elbow, um, yeah. that's kind of like a submission method. And I was like, you yeah. don't need to do that. You're being too rough with me. Um, mm-hmm. So I just, all I could see was I turned back, looked at my friend and I, I, I said to the police, don't hurt him. I guess instinctually kind of like caught up in everything. And he, and they said, don't worry about him. He's gone. And I looked and he like was running in the opposite direction and they weren't chasing him. Um, so I just saw my friend also being cuffed. Um, so I just kept walking and then the police were like, yeah, you need to remove her backpack. And they couldn't cause my cuffs are on. And then I said, um, what is this for? What is this for? I, like they started threatening to like cut my backpack off my back. And then I said, um, you, you can't cut my backpack. There's no reason to. They searched it. And then the the policeman was like, oh, I know why you grabbed her. And I said, can you please explain why they grabbed me? What's ha- like, what's happening now? And there was like no no answer to what, what we were asking. So they put us in, a, in an MTA bus separated by men in front and women in the back. And at that point, there was only like three other women in the bus and maybe like mm-hmm. six men at the most. And when they said that thing, like, oh, I know why you grabbed her, was it one of them suggesting that you're a pretty girl or something? Like, I that's, like, immediately where my brain went when I heard that. Actually, to me, it felt more like, oh, she's being, like, protesty. Like, look at her being angry. When all I was saying, like, you have no right to cut my backpack. Why are you detaining me? And he was like, oh, I know why you grabbed her. It wasn't creepy sexually. It was more cre- creepy, like there was no reason to grab me yet you grabbed me and you know how like in movies it's like oh well you're doing something wrong um we're we're detaining you because you did this or that or like or or like put your hands behind your back did you notice that you were you ran a red light or something there was no yeah, yeah. so they put us in the bus and then we kept in i kept insisting like you can't hold humans tie them up and put them in a bus and not tell us why we're here and I said, hey, why aren't you giving us a call if you're, if you're detaining us? You need to tell me if I'm being arrested and you need to give me a call. And they said, no, we're not letting anyone like make any calls because if you call your buddies to come and bust you out, it's going to make a bigger problem. And the guy that was guarding us, um, the cop, was, was like, I kept asking him, he said, I don't know. I was standing over there, you know, and they just told me to come and guard the bus. We don't know. We're just going to wait until the bus fills and we're going to probably take you to a precinct or something. So it was all very, like, no one knew what was happening. And then, um, I don't know if you wanted me to go into this, but that's where one of the women that was in the bus came into the bus, and her, her, her zip ties were so, so tight that her hands were turning blue. Oh, my God. And she started um, passing out. Um, and we, we kept asking for help, and they weren't helping. What happened? So they pretended to help for a second, like, after I kept – because I was asking for a couple things – I wanted to know when it was happening. I wanted to get a phone call. And I also wanted to, um, I wanted to 
use the bathroom. And then when she came in, I started insisting that they had to get her new zip ties or, or loosen them or something. So yeah. I kept being annoying about that. And then they finally, like, they would pretend to say, like, yeah, yeah, we're going to get you a female cop to help you. Oh, yeah, 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 we're going to get someone to cut these things. And then I, we just kept insisting until they came up and, like, pretended to kind of, like, I'm, I'm saying pretended because I'm mad, but they, they tried to cut them open and they couldn't. So so after a while of insisting, they said, okay, and this is, like, 45 minutes to an hour. And this woman's, like, pale and, like, really, like, in pain. And they said, okay, we're going to, we're going to go now so we can get to the precinct so she can, um, so they can cut her, her ties open or something so they can help. And I, and I looked at the guy and they're wearing full, like they're full of food. I said, I can't believe that with all the, the weapons you have in there, you don't have a pocket knife. There was a cop at the front of the bus who threw the friendly, like showed the other cop that he had a, a pocket knife. So he was, the other guy was trying to cut it open, but he couldn't, while the bus was moving, he said, if I hurt her, like I could cut her. Um, so we're just yeah. like, just stop the bus for five minutes and cut her zip ties open. So when they cut it open at the precinct, it was so tight that they cut her too. And she, for at least a week, had numbness in her hands. Um, she went to urgent care the next day to get seen. And then they, they were able to um, tell her that it probably wouldn't be permanent, um, but, but that they weren't sure. And she, she later noticed, and I had noticed scratch on her legs too. And what happened was that women who, a couple of women who I met were on their, on their bikes and they said, get off your bike. And they're like, okay. And they're like starting to get off and they're like, hurry up, get off your bike. And they like pull them off from their back, like backpacks or the back. And then they, mm -hmm. they would be like, you need to, you need to cooperate. Stop, stop fighting it. And they're like, we're not fighting it. They're like, put your hands behind your back. And they're like, I don't, I, I can't move my hands. Cause like you're, I'm on the floor. Like it was, it was like so yeah. nonsensical the way they were using force on them. Jeez. Did they? So when they put you guys in the bus though, and then uh, took you to Bushwick, at any point in there, did they like read you all your rights, or no? Did so, they just no? So we get to Bush Bushwick, and they um, I they they start unloading the bus, and they're like, they grab her first finally, um, because she was in pain, and then the woman's kind of like pushing her along. We each get a cop, um, from the precinct. And then my female cop, because it's female, female, I think, male, male. And, and she says, so why were you arrested? And now I know from later, from talking to other people who have more experience, that they ask you things so you can incriminate yourself. Um, you're not even supposed to talk to them. And I said, I don't know. I was walking home. And she said, she kind of like blinked at me. And I go, Are, am I being arrested? Like, I think they technically can't use their words, those words. So she kind of stuttered and she's like, uh, uh, what, what did you do? I was like, nothing. And I asked, are you, is it because of the curfew? And she said, no, we're not enforcing that yet. So the whole time that we were standing in line to get processed or whatever they did, where they removed our things, frisked us and put us, put real handcuffs on us and put us in a cell. They didn't explain anything, like nothing. And, and to, to add to it, like lo lots of us didn't have our masks on anymore and none of the policemen or women had their masks on. Um, there was no, let's, we're going to do this with gloves. There was no soap. There was nothing for COVID. Um, we were put like five in a set, in a small cell and the male, the cell with the male men was also pretty packed. And no, there was no answer. Some, someone kind of like whisper around and be like, you might just get a summons. And we're like, for what, for what? And they're like, um, we don't know. We don't know. We're not the arresting officers. We don't know. Then, oh, and we asked for the, I started saying, well, you can't hold me in a cell and not give me a phone call. If you're going to arrest me, you need to let me know and I need to call, call a lawyer. And they were like, 
you have to wait. We're processing all of you. There's a lot of you. <laughs> I don't know if that's the way it's supposed to work, but it didn't seem like it was right. So were you technically, I guess I don't, this is maybe a stupid question, but what's the difference between being detained and being arrested? And like, were you arrested? Well, that's the thing. Technically, if you're going to speak to law, I wasn't arrested. I was given a summons at the end for violating executive order, which means I have a court date and I have to go. Um, I think I'll probably get a fine. And then depending on my behavior, or like it might be nothing or, or if I get arrested again, it, something could happen. But I think it's interesting. It's an interesting way to like, like the words are interesting because the arrest to, to say like I was arrested sounds so much more drastic than I was detained. But legally, mm -hmm. I don't think I, I, I wasn't arrested. Um, but like but you, it looks like you were, it sounds like you're arrested. They did everything they do to you if like you're being arrested. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, except they didn't process us with fingerprints or pictures. So my impression of the night is that we were the first ones that were grabbed, for lack of a better word. And because this, right. there's, there are more stories of this throughout the night. Um, because that's when the whole group started coming back and then that's when they grabbed people and took them. And I saw detention, you know, those correction, sorry, correction buses coming in mm -hmm. to where the, where the um, bridge was. So we were taking an MTA bus and then they brought the big, the, the, like the other ones in. Um, I think that when we came in, they didn't know what they were doing, like that specific precinct. I don't think anyone knew what they were doing. I think they were trying to scare us into not protesting. And I think mm. that as the night progressed and more people were, were detained or arrested, they started like finding reason to um, charge them. So like, I think like there might be something about walking in, a, in, in the street um, because it, they, at the time that we were, we were detained, they still weren't, they, they still weren't aware that they were enforcing it. Does that, the curfew, sorry. You know, do I make sense? Like, I think they were just yeah. cool so they couldn't physically say like, oh, we're, you know, it's curfew time because the other part of the curfew is that the rule is they see you walking home or like in the dark after curfew, whatever. They're supposed to say, you know, there's a curfew, you must go home. And then if you resist after a couple tries, then you can get arrested. And they didn't do right. any of that. So, so it sounds like they're kind of backing into like they're like they first detained you and now they're kind of backing into whatever feels like it's going to stick exactly because the, the the it didn't say violation of curfew it said violation of executive order but later on in the night the stories i heard was that were, were that people were actually um like booked with with a mugshot picture and everything so they, we, we were let go with the summons i still had to wait outside because they th like basically threw me out of the precinct waiting area because they're like this isn't mm -hmm. a waiting room you, you wait outside and i was waiting for my friend um, and it was raining and they threw us out like further than the precinct, like past the barriers I set up, probably also just because they felt like it. And um, a policeman just started talking to me and he says, uh, like almost about the protest and about how he understands and how he doesn't agree with what happened in Ferguson and um, how they have never hurt anyone and they would never. Um, and then I said, and people were walking by me and it was like past midnight, like 1230. And I say, look, they're past curfew why aren't why aren't you guys enforcing it here and he's like don't worry about that that was just because you were in a hot zone probably like everybody knew that it was just like not even procedure it was just kind of them being like eh. um and the way they treated it too like the cops that saw us exiting were like see you're out so quick 
like if you like like if I had gone to the dentist you know (laughs) look at you you're sitting out so quick already or it was just like they they didn't treat it with with any measure of like this was a serious thing or or scary thing to to most of us right and one of the women that was added to my cell wasn't even at the protest and she lives in Fort Greene so she heard like noise and she went out and she like saw when policemen mistreating a black man and started videoing that so as she videoed she noticed police walking towards her so she like turned around and decided to keep walking because she's like I don't want anything to do with this um and then they pushed her with their shield knocked her on the floor and they were like she says at least four or five um punching her and kicking her oh my god and then they were like they took her phone erased the video somehow her sim card popped out so she has like a part of the video and then they put her in the bus um and she was just outside of her apartment she was just like a few blocks from her apartment like being nosy about the protest trying to take a video um so so that was the bigger one of like of like physical violence that i saw or like was close to experiencing from her account um from that night and then the other women that were like snatched off their bikes and like held really um with, with a lot of force um but at the end of the night when I met up with my friend, like my friend finally came out. Um, she said, oh, I have the video of when you were grabbed. And she checked her phone and it had been erased. So it's like they have a method, like they know what they're doing. Wow. So do you now have a uh, password on your phone so that uh, people can't get into it? Well, yeah, I, I guess like after that, we started getting smarter and we started like now when you can take a video, just don't unlock your phone. Also, don't use your face recognition or your or your finger recognition because that way they can't like make you say the password. Um, but there are things right. that you never think about because like I remember having that thought, and I think I told Janessa this that like as I was in the bus, my hands were tied behind my back. I was like, "Hmm, who can help me?" And then it was like the first thought is like, "I'll call the police," or like, "I'll call my lawyer." And you're like, "Oh shit, the people that are supposed to be people I call are the people that are holding me." So that was the moment when I was like, wow, this is, this is not, this is not funny anymore. Like this is, this is bad that they can't follow procedure and that I now don't trust police. And I I will say like a few, a few of them treated us well. It doesn't matter. They were still witnessing something wrong happening and they didn't do anything to stop that. And I don't think they can. I think they're, they're peer pressured for lack of a better word into just watching what happens. The woman that was my cop at the precinct was super nice to me. And she was, she actually got us all like hand sanitizer. And she was like, guys, guys, hurry up because they're going to see me. And she would come in and say like, I think you guys are just going to give us summons. Just wait a little longer. Don't worry. You'll be okay. Like she was actually like helping us. And now that we're filing complaints, the only two officers info I have are the two officers that were actually sort of nice to us. I, I was able to send the complaint through the mayor's office and they're like it doesn't matter because if you're not going to report who did it specifically it doesn't like we can't do anything about it and most of the girls slash women I was um, in the cell with are, are just terrified they don't want their information shared yeah I just keep going back to the fact that you still don't really there's no clear reason I mean like you said like blocking traffic on a bridge that's probably I'm not familiar with all the legality around that probably not allowed but like no during that time it doesn't sound like any officers were like hey get off the bridge now like you're blocking traffic this is dangerous or whatever like nobody did anything at that point right no and 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 then 
and also like when you get a summons I don't know if either of you have ever gotten one for like drinking or like um riding your bike on the sidewalk or something like that the people have gotten summons um usually just get the summons on this that in that moment you know it's right like, yeah you don't you don't get taken to a precinct like that usually or at least if you're not black um i don't know what a black person's experience with the, the police is until maybe now right because yeah. that that's what was my the biggest impression on me that that they can do anything they want and then no one's going to say anything and the only reason I felt safe during this whole time and felt safe to kind of like challenge them was that I realized that my phone was in my back pocket in the bus and I got sneaky mm -hmm. and I took my phone out and I was able to share location with the women that had just left us and then send some voice notes to let them know what it was happening. So I was like, someone mm -hmm. knows I disappeared. And, th and that's the only thing that gave me comfort. Um, and then um, one of the women that I was in the cell with said that she was walking back with her boyfriend and that they, they said, um can we pass like they asked the police people like can we just go through here or do we have to go around and they're like no 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 come come this way are you sure or are you gonna like grab us and they were like no no just come through here you'll be fine <laughs> and then they walked through them and then they grabbed them <laughs> really yeah it's just like come come and then they they, they arrested them man I, i'm just like curious out of curiosity even wondering like what's the behind the scene conversation like what's the big strategy here like what was it purely just to intimidate people from demonstrating I think so I, I honestly think so I and and as the week went on that's when the, the protests got a lot more heated and that's when you would see videos and and uh, on social media of police hitting people with batons and people that were only medics trying to help other people that were hurt like there was a lot came out after that night um and then when the curfew was lifted it seems like things got less um violent and I, I after those nights I would go out and protest but after curfew I'd make sure to leave I'd make sure to leave before curfew actually and then one of the nights I got stuck in there and I luckily had some some gym friends around me, like this big dude. And I was like, can I walk back out of here with you? Because I'm afraid of leaving the protest alone. You know, yeah. like, and, and I was near home, but I was still like, this This is not something that I want to mess with right now. Right. Um, and it's not the arrest that scares me. I don't care about the record. It's the fact that they can just grab you and do whatever they want. And, and everybody's like sharing information about precautions. And like, if they grab you, call this number, here's your bail information, all that stuff. And it's like, you can't do anything because they're not going to let you do anything. They're just going to grab yeah. you. Well, there's got to be a class action lawsuit coming from all of this, just like there was after the uh, 2004 RNC and all the kind of like police overreach that happened during those protests. I, I would I would have to imagine there's a... Uh, there's an army of, of lawyers working on that right now. Uh, yeah. So. Well, well, the woman that had her hands um, hurt by the zip ties already filed her complaint. And I got called from the civilian complaint review board to testify or like to give my statement. And then I might be mm -hmm. called in and we're all going to be witnesses for her and or whoever needs the information. But it does seem like a lot of complaints are going through. And, and I know I tell my story and, my story is really nothing like it was a, a, an inconvenience compared to what happened to other people and what happens daily to, to, to a lot of people. But I think that the, 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 the most important point about it for me was that 
if I was kind of still kind of convinced that the police were good and that I could be helped if something happened to me, the, what, what the curfew showed us and what that experience showed us is that there is some bigger working within that, that they're, that they're like, I don't know, I don't want to say they're trained to do it this way, but something's up where they were given orders to do something a certain way that's wrong. And that they believe that they're above the law. And even if it's not an individual police to police thing, they're doing things that are above the law. And that was my personal experience with it. They, that they that what you see in the movies, that the sense of security that you have, yeah, we have it because of privilege. But that that was completely like all the like that was uncovered last week where everybody was being beaten by the police. Like people talk of de-escalation, but there is no there was no escalation. The ones that were escalating were the police. It's just so eye-opening to know, now hear my friends that are Black say something like that. Now I'm like, yeah. oh. Like, <laughs> there's so much yeah. more, like, not that I didn't believe them, but now now I, like, I, I, I see in myself, I'm not, I'm not proud of this, how much, how little I knew and how little I wanted to see. Well, an experience like that, that you had, I mean, it's, yeah, you, you're okay. And, you know, compared to what other people have gone through it, what, you know, wasn't as big of a deal, but it was dehumanizing. And like, that's a feeling that is like, it's not, you're going to know, like, you're going to have that feeling in you for forever. You're going to know what that felt like forever. So like, can you imagine what it's like when it's even, even more intense than that? Yeah. Or like just a daily fear of not, like knowing that yeah. a police person is not going to treat you well because of how you look. Yeah. And, and I, and I've made this point before, but I don't know if I said it to you is that when you grow up, like I grew up in Guatemala where cops, you just avoid cops. It doesn't matter how much money you have, where you live, what you look like, you just stay away from them. They're all corrupt. Don't stop if they stop you. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That sucks, but it, it, it gives it, we're all in it together. You know, right. here, the problem is that everybody some people have one experience and some people have another. So that's why everybody's talking about gaslighting because it's like, but what was the person doing? Like, did he maybe have a gun in his pocket? Did he kind of reach? Did he, you know what I mean? Because half of us have an experience, not half, but like a bunch of us have a a different experience. And then other people are like, no, this is how it is happening. And and we're like, no. And that has to be like, produce like a huge amount of cognitive dissonance and and division with people. All right, lady. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It was good just to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And it feels like, except that I'm missing my drink, but it feels like being at your place, being able to talk to you too <laughs> yeah. at the same time. God, one day, one day soon, hopefully. I, I, I'm going to come I, and visit you. I'm going to stand outside your apartment and I'm going to say hi. We should just do a, like a outside, like socially distanced like get together yeah we'll bring we'll bring some chairs up from the basement some of them we'll just sit out front and yeah i mean people are standing out in front of battle hill drinking cocktails on on friday and saturday night so yeah no reason we can't sit in front of our place yeah, yeah whenever you guys are up for it i'll, I'll come over